This is a certified hood classic. You're watching the Divergent College Vibes Live with your host, Jeremy Ferramini. Tonight, Thanksgiving drama and social media apocalypse. Featuring a new game called Grateful or Not. And now, here comes your host, Jeremy. Welcome to the Divergent College Vibes Live. I'm your host, Jeremy Veramende. And tonight, to those who tuned in to our Bobcat Gaming special last Thursday, I just want to say thank you out of my strong heart. Uh, you have been a great audience uh, for me to be grateful for. And not everything went the way we expected, but we should at least be proud that since this is our first late night show, uh, we are more than delighted to provide to you the best entertainment here on campus regardless of whether or not Zoom University will go away anytime soon. Uh, I also want to take the time to appreciate and just be grateful for my crew and my staff for organizing this incredible event and as a way for us to be a little bit compassionate to, towards the student body as they head their way back home for Thanksgiving or whatever the heck your plans are for Thanksgiving anyway. Phew, that got very emotional there. <laughs> That being said, let's power up those greasy gears and let's break down this week's news together. This past Monday was the White House's tradition of pardoning the turkey, and this time President Biden has pardoned two turkeys, chocolate and chip. You know, it's really tough to understand what turkeys are trying to communicate to us. Like, why can't they just write their own signs like, eat me, or blow me, or pardon me? Thankfully, the pardoning of the turkey didn't turn out to be a political scandal much like the right-wing media likes to pull off with. But let's see how the president handled it professionally. Roll the clip. It's a wonderful Thanksgiving tradition here at the White House. There's a lot to say about it, but it's chilly outside, so I'm going to keep this short. Nobody likes it when their turkey gets cold. <laughs> Sir, I grew up eating cold chicken noodles, so you have no idea how catastrophic that was for my immune system and how many trips I had to take to the potty room. <laughs> Sorry, as you were saying. You are pardoned. You had to tell me that? Yeah. Yeah, you are. Yeah. I'm serious. He said, I don't know, man. You didn't have to pardon me. I knew I was pardoned. Uh, Cesar Milan, help him out, please. <laughs> now, I have to admit to my audience that I'm no legitimate biologist or veterinarian or just animal therapist. But if I happen to touch the turkey, the turkey is probably going to think something else besides you pardoning the turkey itself. I know a couple of farmers who raise turkeys and sometimes even pet them. But for young folks like us, you know, are we that capable of petting a turkey and just raising it to be just, I don't know, alive for so many years? 
it's really hard to find sane turkeys because most of the time the overall turkey population just loves to gobble at everything humans say about life on earth say life sucks around here and i'm broke as hell but you little frederick you seem you can last longer than i do <laughs> oh they got the joke thank you <laughs> oh is this just in this is Justin. My producer's telling me this is Justin. We have some breaking news out of the midterm elections down at City Merced. For District 2, the DCV podcast can now project that the seat will be flipped from blue to red. The incumbent, Fernando Echeverria, will lose his seat. And the election declares the winner to Ronnie De Anda, conservative outsider and longtime mailman and resident of South Merced. A landslide victory for the biggest campaign donors. And according to Merced County Times, this is Ronnie De Andas' second time running for that same seat against the same opponent, Fernando Echeverria, who he beat him before by a landslide election. And Ronnie De Anda at the time ended up as a write-in candidate because he registered late. But this time, the plot has twisted for District 2, and the victory now goes to Ronnie De Anda in the next city council. Moving on to District 4, the DCV podcast can now project that longtime school board member of the Merced City School District in Area 1, Shane Smith, has successfully won the race and will now take over the seat for District 4 by winning 46% of the vote against his two potential candidates, Casey Steed and Javier Fuentes. Now, according to political experts, this seat was unlikely to flip given the demographics of the district itself and the amount of mail-in ballots that favored for either candidate, mostly Shane Smith in this case. But even though Shane Smith and Casey Steed both got campaign contributions from firefighters and police unions, the race for District 4 was narrow nonetheless, despite Javier Fuentes, a community advocate, trailing behind the entire midterm election. And now, we're gonna get to the best part here, the most contested election ever in the city of Merced, District 6. It was quite an unprecedented move from the residents there who were able to flip the seat from red to blue for the first time since 2018. The DCV podcast can now project that Fushong, UC Davis alumni and chemical engineer himself, an outsider and community advocate for the city of Merced. Oh, that was a long one has defeated incumbent Delroy Shelton by 52.2% of the vote. Wow! What a groundbreaking moment this is for the people of District 6 who just voted for the first Hmong American City Council member in the history of Merced. Now the midterm elections is finally over. We just have to wait for the Merced County officials to certify the elections beginning this Friday. Otherwise, they have until December 8th to certify the local elections, according to the California Secretary of State. So, now you may be asking, what do these results that will soon be certified this Friday really mean for the control of the city council? It will probably remain the same as it was in 2018 and 2020, in that the city council will remain in gridlock once again. And because District 2 has flipped from blue to red, and District 6 was flipped from red to blue, Mayor Serrato will still be the tie-breaking vote. 
Because I would know before the midterm elections even happened, the city council remained split with three on the left and three on the right, and with Mayor Serrato as the tie-breaking vote. Now, because two seats have flipped on either side, it will likely remain the same. So it's a bit uncertain if the mayor's agenda will entirely pass in this case, or will affordable housing continue to be a battleground for the ongoing debates by the next fiscal year. According to insiders of the city council, Merced will soon have to revise and update its housing element or otherwise Merced's new housing plan for the next eight years. So I'm not surprised that affordable housing will once again be on debate. And speaking of new housing developments here, Merced, uh, we also are uncertain as to whether or not UC's annexation towards the city of Merced will still be possible under this new city council. Uh, we'll keep you guys updated on that end as we move forward into the next fiscal year. But regardless of what any policy outcome would be in the next two years or in the next four years possibly, I want to congratulate and give it up to the voters out there who turned out in this election. Because as you can see, based on the results from the Merced County Elections Office, about 44.8% of voters have turned out in this election compared to the last midterm election down in 2018, where about 61.4% of voters have turned out in this case with 60,000 ballots casted at that election compared to now which 55,000 ballots were only casted then and speaking of uncertainty Twitter <laughs> will most definitely lose more users after their uncertain move from this new CEO Elon Musk for reinstating the former president back into the platform and he had the audacity to publish this poll that he created asking its own users to whether or not former president will be reinstated and according to this ridiculous poll about 52% of Twitter users have approved the move which I happen to be very disgusted by this because when it comes to freedom of speech you can only allow certain tones of freedom of speech to dominate your platform and exclude anybody else at the same time. <laughs> like, stick to Tesla, man. Don't go towards another company that you can barely handle with so many of your workers resigning and preferring not to see the vast degree of political violence. Like, I can see why. You tried to get rid of the bots that were contaminating the platform when now the biggest bot is dominating Twitter right now. I wonder how we got to that point so fast. <laughs> And I can relate to Jon Stewart. With the blue check system, I can't tell who's who right now. <laughs> so, not only money buys elections or politics, it also buys freedom of speech. Right here, in America. Get this, the moment we're all waiting for, the World Cup has kicked off uh, with an opening ceremony last Sunday down at Doha in Qatar, featuring more than 1.2 million fans popping up in Doha, Qatar, and all the stadiums cheering up for all 32 teams. But what I found, found very surprising at the first match between Qatar and Ecuador is that Qatar's fan base was not as strong as people expected it to be, with so many empty seats in this first game. Now, not surprising, despite the mass World Cup fever, controversies are still ongoing, especially this latest controversy involving the use of rainbow stripes in sports jerseys, like a One Love armband, mainly used to protest against the anti-discrimination laws in Qatar. 
Now, seven European teams, including Team Germany, have decided to take legal action and appeal FIFA's decision to ban One Love Rainbow Armbands. Which raises the question as to whether or not freedom of speech can be exercised freely in a legal manner, regardless of FIFA's vague commitment to welcoming anybody regardless of what they look like. On the other side of the coin, the Iranian team refused to sing the national anthem in response to the Iranian government's brutal attacks on protesters in the case of a Iranian woman who died under police custody. One of the most appealing signs from the Iranian protesters that captivated the world's attention was a sign that read, Women, Life, and Freedom. But the good side of the FIFA World Cup? The dramatic matches that changed outcomes forever. Like, for example, the latest match between Japan and Germany, which Japan have unexpectedly defeated them 2-1. Meanwhile, Saudi Arabia has unexpectedly defeated Argentina 1-2. Now, when Lionel Messi announced that it will be his last World Cup he'll ever play, I'm pretty sure Lionel Messi didn't expect things to go around that way and his team to perform this way in his first match. But there's always room for improvement and they have a lot to catch up in, especially if they want to secure the spot of being a finalist at the round of 16. Moving on to Mexico, Mexico tied the match against Poland with goalkeeper Guillermo Ochoa being the hero of the game by blocking the penalty from Poland striker Lewandowski. And lastly, Team USA had a rocky start in its first ever game against Wales, ending up in a draw 1-1. As the World Cup continues, I express my deepest support for all teams. I wish them the best of luck. But this time now, we should stand strong with Team USA throughout the holiday season. Now, before we wrap up the segment here, I, I want to again take the time to just share my condolences to the families of the five victims who were shot and killed at the Club Q shooting down in Colorado Springs. I share my strong support for the LGBTQ community and condemn any attacks towards the LGBTQ community. Institutions and governments should do the same as well. We have a great show for you tonight. Up next, We'll find out whether or not you are grateful of anything going on in your life. Stick around. And that's a wrap for tonight's episode on the Divergent College Vibes Live. Thank you all for tuning in and for showing up today. See you all next time. Good night.